1: plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
2: inside information on your teams honest opinion and the biggest names in sports it's time Las Vegas for the playmakers
3: Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Wednesday afternoon with the Playmakers. It is the 5th of January. My name is Lindsey Brown. Over there is Tony Cordasco. And we got a heavy, heavy docket of sports with a Z ready for all of you peoples. Aren't you pumped, Dasky?
2: Yeah, the uh, the blood's flowing. Is I it? was just out there showing Adrian my dunking skills.
3: So that's why the out, blood's flowing out
2: in the lobby. You're he's feeling
3: like, very he's nimble. Like, You're feeling flexible.
2: That that bucket hat, by the way, looks a little like uh, Devo. Right? Breaking
3: news: Dasko Radio is not a visual medium, but. It is an IKEA bucket hat, which is I think made out of the bags that you would buy at IKEA. Love it, I it's love it. It's iconic. It is Adrian. It's just a ten out of ten. And hey for you guys, to, hello. Hey, hey, thank you. Go you check it out on our
4: him,
2: Instagram, by can the I way. Ask
4: him to rate rate my dunk. It was a it was a solid six out of ten, Dasco. <laughs> uh, six
3: out of ten, <laughs> Lindsay.
4: Be sure to give out the uh, station Instagram so they could pee. You uh, the you drip. are so
3: good at this. I'm just you, letting you know because we do have to give the drip. It's due diligence. Uh, the bet. Las Vegas, that is the handle of the IG, at least that's what I understand it to be. I'm streaming live on my personal Facebook right now because we're just trying to find different ways to get content to different people, and usually it just ends up with the people in Minnesota that just know me. But Adrian, now that you're here to remind me, we can already get this out to some different peoples i think you have more likes than any of the videos that i've posted lately so you're clearly popular must be nice thank
4: you Mm -hmm. i appreciate it and so are you you guys are awesome are we ready to have the best show ever today
3: ever i mean i i would hope so i just try to make it your best segment every time it it starts right right let's get it
2: you should have seen the dunk the
3: blood is clearly still flowing at such a rate that you can't even talk. You didn't think I could, get, you, rim. You think I could get
2: rim, even on the eight-footer. So. No,
3: well, we'll have to work on that. We're all, we'll have to work on the dexterity and the flexibility, and that's what the TB12 uh, diet and book plan is all about. But we are here to talk about the sports mostly and the things that exist around the world of sports because it, it doesn't just stay on the court or the arena or the rink or wherever the playing surface is. Um, but we usually do the check down because we're starting with a whole new leaf and a whole new lease on life. We've been calling the opening segment this week the can opener because of whether it's a can of corn, a can of worms, or a can of whoop-ass, Bobby Boucher says we need to talk about something serious and a little bit more in depth because sometimes it's easy to be a pinball machine when we need to do some gardening, and that's what we're here to do about Cleet Keller Dasko, and that is a name that a lot of us might be more familiar with than we think. Uh, And and for differing reasons at that, because tomorrow is the first anniversary of January 6th. And a year ago, we did not have a show on January 6th because I was sitting in this chair that I happen to inhibit right now watching the TV that is currently on the Brooklyn Nets highlight package because Kyrie Irving is going to be inserting himself back in the lineup. But we all saw what was going on in Washington, D.C. And politics aside, as much as you could say that in this conversation... Whether people showed up that day to that place with the intentions of what happened or not, uh, it got out of hand. And Cleve Keller was one of those guys. Cleve Keller is also a multi-Olympic gold medalist. Swimmer, actually. Was on the relay team with Phelps. You know, that unbelievable race they had in Athens, one that uh, Phelps said it himself, one of the greatest races of all time. Uh, He was on that Olympic relay. And what I want to talk about with cleat is, again, not the politics, but rather the, the void that we've discussed so many times on this program and will continue to do so because as a former athlete myself, the transition to the post career was very rough. And I know it is something that a lot of people struggle with because you spend your entire life training to be not just Lindsey Brown, but Lindsey Brown, the goaltender. And, or the tennis player, the golfer, just using use myself as an example in the sports that I play. But I knew hockey was going to be the, my ticket to ride. And when you have that prioritization around your life for its entirety and no plans after the fact, when you finally do get to the after, that's why we don't handle it super well. And Cleet was definitely one of those guys, Dasko, who who didn't have a ton of direction, relied upon his talents as a swimmer rather than his talents as, as a in, in people skills, in in hard-workedness, in, in so many things that we just – a lot of people do every in their everyday lives. But, again, you're not living an everyday life when you're training for, to be an Olympian, right? You got anything uh, to add so far to ask, or am I doing a good job of setting the table? Set the table. So setting the table. The blood's flowing over there for you. Well, Cleet, Cleet had – this isn't – we didn't just start on the 6th, just like his athletic crew didn't start on the podium and stuff, but he, he had a family. He has a family he he had trouble holding down jobs um and obviously was struggling with with a lot of men, mental health stuff with with depression with with finding motivation with with finding purpose making his visits on time with his kids uh paying child support all of these things and there's absolute tangible burden placed on his family on on his on his ex-wife on on everyone and um I don't want to minimize that but we're talking about Cleet and we're talking about that Need that all human beings have to sit around a bonfire, a metaphorical bonfire, around with other people to feel warm, to, to, to just, that's a basic human need. And I think a lot of us former athletes are just a lot of people that are moving into a different chapter of their identity or self, sometimes end up sitting around the wrong bonfire. And sometimes it's not the bonfire that we're building, other people are building it, but we're enjoying the warmth. And so I just wanted to kind of talk about that and what the warmth tells you about yourself. Because Cleet, in this article that I'm taking a lot of this information uh, from that was published in the LA Times yesterday, uh, written by Nathan Fenmo, uh, it it really characterizes the, this whole timeline of how do we get to a podium to, to where we were on January 6th. And at times he he was very honest about himself about his journey about his lack of preparedness for the afterlife of his athletic career but then, as his life started to change and when he started to hang out with with different peoples and he started to just kind of behave a little bit more radically than than he usually had, that tone changed with him because he he was doing podcasts he was having conversations with people because He's, he's an Olympic gold medalist. He, he, he had a ton of different jobs that that he was using that uh, aspect of his personality for because why wouldn't you? If you win medals, why wouldn't you want to make that part of who who you are and who you want to um, sell to people in the professional world? But it started to change, and, and he started to change. And we all go through those ebbs and flows of where we're, we're sure of who we are, we're sure of what we want, we're, we're sure what we're doing is right and is well-intended. And many times it it comes from a place of love. But then at the end of the day, though, when he's being asked in court, because he was clearly at the entire event on the 6th, wore a Team USA jacket to the event. You know, they spent months trying to figure out all of these different people that had participated in. Didn't take them that long to figure out who he was. And so... He was remorseful then, too, and he realized, like, hey, this isn't what I what I had signed up for. But that's really, I guess, the message of what I'm trying to get at here, Dasko, and um, of what the after is for everyone. It can't be passive. It has to be intentional. Like I said, you have to be building your own fire because your energy is going to have to go somewhere. And usually if you're a, a high-end athlete, or you're, there's a lot of energy that's been – Pushed out of you into your preparation, into your training for your your entire life, and all of a sudden that's gone completely. Have you ever had something like that, Dasko? Where you're so used to a routine or an outlet that was completely stolen away? How did you handle that? If you have experienced it,
2: I've experienced every twist and turn. Yeah. And How do you react? You just got to plow forward. That's it. Like you don't. Right. You don't pause. Like you don't take a step back. You continue to forge ahead. Right. You know, every day is like a you know a grind. I think for for most people, especially today and in, mm-hmm. in this crazy world. And what's Absolutely.
3: And I, I, where we get caught up, I think, when when things are dark is the place between helplessness and help. And the difference between those two places is personal action, right? But we're, like you said, there's a lot of people in society suffering. There's a lot of examples of skirting of accountability, responsibility of actions, all of these things. And trust me, there are people that there, there's a difference between needing help and choosing not to go get it and not having the ability to seek out help for yourself um Cleet is definitely the the former rather than the latter uh just based off of this article based off of what we've heard about him and granted, it's not like we've talked to him or his his family or anything it, it's we're we're all just making it up i guess if if you really want to look at it but i I just when people get so lost again it's it's very confounding in many ways, but at the same time, I when I was reading this, I felt so much compassion for him because I, I I remember feeling so much of this myself. I remember the anxieties before my hockey career ended about what am I going to do next? I don't want to think about it. I, I'm going to worry about that a different day. And just what that skirting of that responsibility does. Because eventually the chickens will come home to roost. Like They, they will. And ultimately – the consequences don't always fall upon you, right, or directly on you rather than the people closest to you, which makes sense because if you're skirting responsibility, if you're saying it, it, it's not a me problem, it's a them problem, I, I can't, I don't need help, I need to do this, you need to do this before I get help. All of these different ways that we try to put speed bumps in front of probably the easiest thing, which is taking a good hard look in the mirror, Uh It's just I I think a lot of people probably have these conflicted feelings of just whether they're trying to see an other side of a political argument or 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 just a a random opinion with someone they love. And misguidedness isn't always intentional, but turning around almost always has to be right.
2: It's just bewildering how he wound up there. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was one of the words that I pulled out of that story. Mm hmm. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to say that this is athlete specific. You know, there's no. people that go through things and then.
3: But it's amplified because it's an it's an extreme <clears throat> job and it's an extreme it's lifestyle. It's amplified because he's a it's celebrity. Pedestalized. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. Because of his celebrity.
3: If you had to pick for your hypothetical child what he they would, wanted- you would want them to do with their life in terms of a job, a lot of people would say doctor, lawyer, professional athlete, just to do like your bargain bin answers. There's a he, reason for that.
2: He wanted to get caught. Why, why else would he not why else would he be wearing a USA yeah oh like,
3: 100 you know, 100
2: sweatsuit or whatever jacket right why else would he be doing that he wanted to be he wanted people to acknowledge that he was there and I don't know right and that, I don't want to get into uh, the being, politics right. of it but I, you know he went through a divorce um custody battles bitter child custody battle
3: mm-hmm. the, child support here child support of 190 of wait, wait wait wait
2: Child support of $191 a month? Oh, yeah. All that's they, how this works, Dad. That's how they awarded? That's yeah. all that they awarded This is what, yes. what state was that? Was I that don't Florida? know, but where, I'll where tell you it, what. Florida? Mine wasn't
3: that far off for, for, from what my dad was paying, too, of that, of that amount. And that's not to knock anybody, but just straight up. I'm sorry. The, the system just, isn't exactly the biggest hammer of justice that a lot of us think it is.
2: Okay. His sister supported him. He had bouts with mental illness. That's mm-hmm. what this is all about. Exactly. This isn't about athletes or and any, how many people- anyone else specific or celebrities. It's about... Just that he had some mental health issues, mm-hmm. and they weren't addressed, I guess, at an early age.
3: Right, because his his now ex wife, and at the time they weren't married. Uh, he was training. He was going through these episodes where he had to go to the hospital, where we, where he was he was clearly struggling, and she was reaching out to people like, "Hey, my 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 significant other is having issues. Like, what's going on?" They're like professional athletes it's because of the it's the stress of yeah, it. and
5: that's not and again not that's the skirting
3: of responsibility that's mm. saying not my problem not my fault not my problem it's not that far away from what we were hearing from coach uh uh from Raiders coach guy yesterday
2: it's yeah, you yeah
3: Bisaccio, I always mispronounce his name so I feel bad but where it's Vegas it's someone else it's their problem eventually even if it's not your action if you're involved if you're in a leadership position if you are the person who's actions we are talking about how in what world in, in what mindset other than one that clearly is lost does it make sense to completely skirt that responsibility it, it does it defies logic and so that's why you can't apply logic to a lot of these situations other than the fact like you said dasko an intervention needed to happen at an earlier point there were several instances uh where he, he could have gotten that help himself, but people in the position, his coaches, his trainers at the time. Again, we were talking about the overdevelopment as, uh, of the of the athlete and all those muscles. That also includes your personal development of who you are as a person, about your emotional uh, health, all of these things. Every moment of your life is probably spent thinking about swimming, getting calories in your body, and getting better. Like when you're on that track for the Olympics, that's that's how it works. And so in a way, there's – a hypervigilance placed on the, those in the coaches, in the in the sports leaders, because you're dealing with people that aren't getting the most holistic uh, human development model in in a way, if you think about it. And it's not their responsibility to be uh, in charge of the emotional well-being of their athletes, at least entirely. But they certainly have to be able to pick up the slack when uh, someone is struggling. And so I, I just, I wanted to talk about this, and I, I think it's important because, Like I said, I I, I emphasize a lot with a a few of the things that he was saying about what he was feeling on the inside, about his lack of preparedness, about just his loneliness. Again, it's about that bonfire and wanting to be around it. And when you're not near it, what you're willing to do to try to find another one. Seek it out pretty much anywhere you can find it.
2: I think anyone that's in a competitive realm has those same kind of feelings, Mm -hmm. right? So you win and you lose. Yep. In a professional and then world. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like. It's just Monday. Yeah. You won a gold or, medal and now it's Monday. Or if you're loose, you're used to winning, right? Mm-hmm. You're very competitive. You're used to winning at whatever you do. You're used to like being on top. And then. And people bring all of things sudden, to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that part, that facet is gone. I think a lot of people might go through that. I just, mm-hmm. I, I really, I feel for him, you know, on one hand. On the other hand, a lot of, you know, what he, Caused was brought upon himself mm-hmm. too. You know, like I mean, instead
3: of instead of looking within, he looked outside.
2: He went through fifteen to seventeen jobs. Mm-hmm. One of his exes said, "I was like, mm-hmm. you know, and in this the, the and that could be his brain part, protecting
3: him too. That could be subconscious. Well, where I don't want to go think go through thinking about this, dealing with this. So I'm going to focus on other things. Did he not
2: want to grow up? I mean, seriously. Well, what
3: I, whether again, if it's that's a conscious thought or not, I don't think. Maybe he was equipped to do that or he didn't feel like he was because to be reduced to saying, well, you're just being lazy or you're not working hard enough. Or, you're not trying. I mean, we all have days where we, we go a, a, a further down the extra mile than others. But let's get to the next part of that question. Instead of figuring out a label to give the person, why are they tired? Why are they laying around? Why are they sleeping so much? What are they feeling? Like, actually... Get behind and, and figure out what's causing the results of this, and and how we can help that. I, I think we get so caught up in the argument that we don't even bo- we don't even bother thinking about an actual solution. And, and then yeah. the
2: the turn that really got to me was okay. So him and his wife, mm-hmm. right? His wife had mm-hmm. twins. Yep. And then the the twins, one of the twins gets gets sick. Yeah. They take the twin to the hospital. And the child, when they get there, they find out that they don't have health insurance.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, his wife thought he was working all along or whatever. I don't You can tell, right? If they're yeah, he providing was just money, driving around. He was just like just lonely. OK, he was in that. Shame that space. will make
3: you do very, very bizarre things. And
2: then after that, he got <laughs> he took out an insurance policy. That covered, you know, suicide too. I mm-hmm. don't know. Because that, that's okay. what he considered. It was a and last so, resort. And so exactly. he was there as soon as he heard the car, and when he turned yep. it, turned it on and had the, you know, um, he, had the- a, <laughs> he had a hose, you know, yeah. th- that would cause him, you know, to, to take in all the carbon monoxide and all that. Right. And that's when he just was like, I can't do this. And Man, there's a lot of twists and turns in this, and story. that's him
3: dealing with 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 his own demons. We we're, we're not talking about what his wife is dealing with with the consequences of that, and not to mention he's not paying the child support, which you mentioned at 192 is already uh, ridiculously low. And so there's so much hurt to go around when you don't ca- take care of yours when you don't look internally. And I guess that's really the the main message of this particular can opener as we open up our playmaker Show. Got to get to our break because on the other side, I didn't really watch the hockey game as much last night. The Gold Knights lost to the Nashville Predators, but did I watch the goalies the whole time? Yes, I did, and do I have some notes? We'll get to those on the other side.
2: Only on 1140 The Bet, Las
4: Vegas.
3: Just vibes, Dasko. That's all we're here to do, to bring, to be the playmakers here, hanging with you guys until 5 p.m. as we do each and every weekday. I'm Lens Brown, Tony Cordasco over there. And Dasko, you're a... A little bit of a hatchling of a hockey expert yourself over there. <laughs>
2: Allegedly. You hatchling? have a competing
3: podcast with me, technically, right? Even though no, it's a different format. We're in the
2: same family. We're in the
3: same family, but we have to compete for mom and dad's attention, right? We all have our favorites that we definitely won't talk about. We're both but both
2: on Odyssey. We're both yeah, on Odyssey. We're in the fam. Mine's
3: called The Nightcap. Uh, I record it on Sundays. It's a little bit of a mix between segments that we do on The Playmakers here and then long-form podcasts where I get to swear and talk hockey and pretend like I'm still in a locker room. And then... Locked On podcast, it's a little bit more uh, beat reporter esque, right? Because you're talking every day, you're dropping new stuff. Your I just I, I recorded, stats, yeah, I recorded it in
2: the car on my, on my way here. Right on. So
3: <laughs> in your in, give me like a 10-second synopsis of what you thought last night's game was, because for the most part, I didn't really watch the actual hockey that was being played. I was watching the goalies and how they were moving. Pretty much everything but the save. That's what I want to talk about. But first, I know people want to get the dirty deeds.
2: Dirty deeds, like Dasko's you know, dirty deeds. Well, I mean, one of the keys of the game was like, They needed to get physical, and VGK they were hit fifty five times in the game. Yeah, Lindsay,
3: that's 55 a lot of hits.
2: hits. What about Kolosar getting in the yep. fight?
3: You called it. You called it yourself. That to, and and his exact uh, opponent as well. That that hitting uh, point though, I have a, a very specific note because. It seemed to me that Nashville was almost inviting the Golden Knights to be uh, just in a a bigger phone booth because typically as a hockey player, if you're trying to rub someone out on the boards and trying to pinch them, uh, you want to be closer to them. But it seemed like they backed off. They gave them a little bit more of a gap. So when the skaters do come through, it's a big time punch right in, big time hits. And it was all kind of about more of a, a poke check approach to their physicality rather than a sweeping Um, stick check, just to use a different hockey metaphor to explain what was going on. But it absolutely affected how the Golden Knights played. And really, the Golden Knights were all over uh, Nashville in the opening five minutes. They had a 2-on-0, and then after that, it was all Nashville. And so they kind of got the wind taken out of their sails because if you don't score with how well they opened up that first period... All of a sudden, you get dejected. We've seen this very uh, emotional roller coaster ride from the Gold Knights in the playoffs before, um, and and I really think that's what chalked up the the game, even though the Gold Knights were able to make it interesting and get a, a couple late.
2: Logan Thompson, I know you want to talk yep. about him, mm-hmm. but. I thought he did a really good job, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the game
3: for his first game ever. Yes, he had
2: poise. He didn't
3: even get a solo lap calm. alone. David Riddick took it away from him. The, Why the the um, the backup goalie for the for the Predators? I, maybe he didn't know what was happening. But knowing David Riddick and our history with him in this building, like he never really gets along with the Gold Knights. He skated out. The rest of the Predators waited, and so I don't. Again, I don't know if he just went over the edge without knowing, and then everybody else waited. Regardless. Tommy did deserve better though, Lesley, especially in that Pertrangelo blown playoff of the face off where he just literally shot past it right to the, right to the national predator forwards skate or sticks, and then gets absolutely bodied blown by and, uh, and, and it ends up in the back of their net and, Petro was so pissed he was back at the the bench slamming his stuff down literally having his Ryan Reynolds in the in the car moment from uh, that Christmas movie where he gets really frustrated all the time
2: did they cut away because I thought he was going to just slam the the goalpost but there was too much traffic I think in front of there by the time he got there you know of the the three this just again my observations Lindsay on Thompson okay and I know you're going to be more specific but you know he gives up three goals one off of a turnover Another off of a deflection with no defenders in front. Mm-hmm. There was nobody there. Yep. And then uh, well, the third one took that Philip Forbesberg like amazing.
3: Yeah. Move. Well, he's on an unreal tear right now too. <laughs> you know where he's, he gets he's around. He's playing that so room. well. He has 18 points in 15 games, and that was before yesterday. And he was returning from injury, but he he's on a roll and he's on that top line. And again, there were plenty of marches to the penalty box because the Gold Knights were 0 for three in the power play. And Nashville is 0 for one, and we're not talking about all of the offsetting penalties. As well, Like I said, Nashville dominated for the rest of the game for a reason because they had time and space where they could create their own pace where that isn't nearly as dependent on speed in the rush as the Golden Knights. And they were already frustrated and dejected to start with, so they were kind of out there just being traffic cones and hoping something good happened, a couple tips go their way.
2: So 55 hits. I, I just yeah. want to get to that. I, yeah. I mean, okay, but, have you ever seen 55 hits in an yeah, NHL sure. game? Yeah, oh
3: sure. Well, and it could be more, it could be less. These numbers are uh, subjective, as everything is. Um, and it's really not, I mean, it's, it's the main story of the hockey game, but now we got to, we got to switch into the nerdiness. We got to get into the goalie stuff and everything but the save, because you mentioned the tip from, uh, the goal that, that Logan Thompson gave up to his blocker side. I forget how the play transpired, but I know it went and he had to go across to his right side. My, Um,
2: my, uh with the uh, the shot from up top inside yeah, the blue yep, line. That's exactly. That's how it started.
3: It's, it's, it's a very common play in hockey, and, and a lot of offenses are run through the point and hopefully getting those tips. It's just some teams have those um, outliers like Joe Pavelski uh, who, who just seem to make it into an art in a way. But Logan Thompson, in comparison to UC Sorrows, this is kind of be a, a larger conversation about European goalies versus North American and as it played out between Logan and, and UC. Because UC's from Finland, and... And Logan thompson's from uh, from Canada, and there's a lot of differences between stylistic uh just tendencies based on region like if you were notice UC Sorrows last night, he's a lot smaller than most goaltenders in the league these days he's just five eleven a buck eighty, and I'm guessing that they gave him another inch or two because that's what all of us do when we uh, turn in our information for our bios but so smooth, so quiet, so reliant on edge work. He uses his edges to carve through the ice, to carve through the crease, and really minimize trauma to his lower body, to his hips and to his knees. That's a very European type of style where you just kind of see guys uh, almost skiing with their skates and not going stop and start or, or shuffle, shuffle, or T-push and then stop. North American goalies, though are very much more point A to point B. I want to get to point A to point B quick and powerfully. And Logan Thompson, he's an athletic freak, but he needs to wind his body up so much to make saves. First of all, I worry for him in long-term health. And second of all, it creates a little bit more work for him when it comes to making a save, because when you have to suck yourself in in order to outject, that's two moves to make one save, right? Right. Whereas Soros and and more calmer European styles, they're not pushing into their stops. They're not forcing their buys, they're not contorting them nearly as much, at least not as often. I, I feel like North American goaltenders, we're just we want to make sure that every T push is so strong, is so solid, is so powerful. There's something to be moving around your crease and just being like, hey yeah, and then you feel like you're a robot and, and that everything's so clean. But with Europeans, it's just a lot more of a, of, a, of a fluid situation. When we were talking about UC yesterday and I was saying he has patter feet, it's it's like a claw machine where you hold a lot of your weight up high and then when finally the play comes down to you or it gets in tight, that's when you drop your weight down and then you drive your knees down into the ice. That's what I'm talking about in, in terms of the the efficient use of their abuse, really. Because goaltending just naturally isn't good for your body. The way you stand, the way you make it move, while you go up, whether you go down, all of these things are damaging to you more so than any other motion. And the skating motion in general is already unnatural. Um, But being an explosive athletic goalie has its perks too, because that means I can be a little bit more reliant on my reactivity. I don't need to see the puck through traffic as much. I can take, uh, more chaotic situations, as long as I have good gaps, as long as I'm able to cover my angles, and Tommy, who is a very large goaltender, has a has a very solid footing on being able to do that. As long as he doesn't overspring himself or overwork himself, or, or as I was saying, putting too much horsepower on point A to point B when all he needs is 30 miles an hour. And so I think I'm going to get into like a, a larger conversation on this in the next nightcap because we're just talking about their skate blades right now. I got notes on the elbows. I got notes on the hand placement. I got notes on how they go on their post integrations when they're standing up versus when they're down on their butterfly. And that's just like, where do you put, Where? what do I do with my hands? Because it matters because if you don't put your hands in the right place when you're standing up against the post, there could be a hole there. And you know what happens to you when you give up a goal uh, to the short side when you're standing on the post, Dasco? your ass is going to be on the bench real quick. That's what's going to happen. And so it's a much larger conversation, but I was very enthused based off of what I saw from, from Logan and the progress that he's made in the limited time that I've been able to watch him with his time with Henderson and obviously his debut last night. But but certainly someone that is going to be able to be acrobatic in his ability to make saves and can steal games with his ability to make saves. Not all goalies have that uh, edge to them where you can just all of a sudden come up with a highlight real goal. And then the rush goes the other way and then ends up in the back of the net. How many times do we see that happen? And with the gold Knights or any other teams, because that's what the momentum shifts are, but not everybody has the circus capability to be able to command that at really any given time.
2: You were right about, uh, you know, giving up uh, Saros, giving up a goal from the point. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you yep. some credit on that. Thank you. You know, cause Theodore just unleashed it and yep. you were right about that yep. point. Okay. I want to get into Carlson. Is that a demotion to the third what do you line? We mean the second
3: star of the game.
2: <laughs> Is that? Did a you de- vote
3: <laughs> on that yourself? You love Carly. You love it.
2: I'm not. I'm not. I'm asking thing. a serious question though, because I thought you know, like, okay, there's no such thing, but he moves down a line to the third line. Who's he and out then there with? The uh, and Yanmark. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, those two guys are running pretty well right now. Yeah, Mark set a great screen. Uh, oh, I think it was screen Theodore. That was, on a, the was a Theodore, theodore shot. That was amazing. And then last game he had two unbelievable goals, uh, and one wasn't particularly pretty. And then you said who else was on the on the line with them? Didanov? Didanov. Didanov. He's skating at a different level as well. I I've noticed that he's a little bit more aggressive in the offensive zone, so he's getting after pucks. He's usually not that type because he's a little bit smaller. He wants to he wants somebody else to gather it for him so he can be the one in front of the net. But because so many guys are out of the lineup people have to carry different buckets of water. That's why it's not so much a demotion if those two guys are running as well as they are and you're being put on their line. Either coach thinks you should be running better than you are or coach thinks you're going to bring yourself and a different level out on those line mates. Otherwise, why do you make the switch? You know, doesn't always have to be a negative thing.
2: No, I was just asking. I was just asking. I know, you have to ask Pete himself.
3: (laughs) I I don't know why they they set the people out that they do. Like I said, I was watching the goalies mostly. Once the puck drops, the game is very fluid. And so all of that's why I don't really keep track of numbers because you're just trying to make sure, well, who has the puck? Where do I need to be? And uh, what's my angle? And that's what we do here in the Playmakers with our hockey coverage and the nightcap. All of these things are available to you on the Odyssey app for free. Google Play Store, Apple App Store to download and then share with your friends because your girl is trying to be a very, very cool person. And to do that, lots of people have to agree. And to do that, they have to know who we are, Dasko, right? They have to know who we are. They have to know
2: our names. Do we have time to talk about embellishment?
3: No. No, not really. But we do have time to talk about Kale McCarr's goal because that's why I'm wearing the jersey. <laughs> he scored unbelievable goal on Marc-Andre Fleury yesterday. But, again... Sometimes things are better communicated through video versus words, and this is one of those instances. On the other side of the break, another topic that's better with words.
0: You
2: found the Playmakers only on 1140 The Bet, Las Vegas.
3: You want to walk through an airport with some confidence, a little pep in your step? This is a song for it. How you feeling, Dasco? You feeling good? Feeling intentional? Like you got somewhere to be and people to see and people expected to see you.
2: It makes me want to dunk on Adrian again.
3: Oh, wow! Well, that will have to be revisited. And uh, so will Novak Djokovic's visa status because we were talking about it yesterday of just our confusion, Dasco, of the hypocrisy that is. Uh if you don't follow this rule, then you can't do this, except if you have this name and you are this person, then we're willing to let you in and you can kind of do whatever you want. He was going to compete in the Australian Open. He's not vaccinated. It's not about the politics, at least our, our portion of the conversation here. But he was apparently detained in the airport all day because there has been an issue with his visa. Uh Apparently, that visa does not allow a medical exemption to be used as uh, an excuse to not be vaccinated. So he has been told that he is being denied and that he will be deported back to Serbia. Now, Novak, again, as we mentioned yesterday, is on the precipice of history of breaking the all-time record for Grand Slams, as is Serena Williams, but she's been stuck on that number for a little bit longer of a time Uh, Novak's doing just the men's record. It's a little bit lower of a record, a little bit less of a glory thing. But you know what? Very special to Novak and clearly to the Australian Open officials. Um, And to his father. Uh, Basically, uh, Mr. Djokovic Sr. is the the LeVar Ball of the tennis world. (laughs) Was even saying if you hold my son for another half hour in this airport, we will fight you in the streets or something of that sort. Right, Daska? I'm paraphrasing here.
4: That's a, Have that's you ever
3: fair. heard of something like this? I mean, I've heard of people being denied entry to countries based off of past actions, like somebody was trying to get Australia with, with a certain pet, and they're like, yeah, we're not letting you in here anymore ever again. And I forget who it was. But in terms of an athlete, in terms of you good over there? Yeah. good okay what um <laughs> I, i'm not sure it's your stuff over I have, there t-
2: i have 10 windows open you know
3: like, i i know i'm trying to have the conversation um novak uh, such an interesting thing to kind of be happening in real time big time name uh obvious uh stage for uh glory and i don't think this is going to get resolved by the time that the tournament starts and I know that you have to adhere to stricter protocols when you are unvaccinated, even if you are being uh, granted entry into different portions of this planet. Uh, but but we'll have to see. And, uh, yeah, that's just where we're going to go. Dasko, are you good? I, I I completely lost everything, and you're looking at your phone. So we're going to go to break because we got to get to our blast from the past to close out the bottom of the first hour. This is the Playmakers on The Bet 1140. The
2: Playmakers. Only on 1140, the bet. Las Vegas.
3: The Playmakers! Dasko, Lindsay, Wednesday, Hump Day. Whoop whoop! Right, Adrian? You had the whoop whoop earlier. Whoop whoop! Instantly went to the commercial. It's weird how those earworms work like that, right? Right. What's uh Dasco, What's something that you hear that instantly pops up in your mind, like that that your recall is almost split second, right on top of something like whoop whoop for the Hump Day commercial?
2: I was just thinking Georgia the Jungle music.
3: Oh okay, well there you go. That's because exactly where yeah because of the beat. I see you, Okay, Brendan Fraser. It right now. Okay, okay. He's had a little bit of a tougher go uh in, in his later stages of his career, but back in the day he was. Quite prolific, and I he's think gonna he's going to be a super
4: villain, though. Yeah. He's going to be a super villain in the big DC movie. He's back. This he's is coming. true.
3: And he was probably one of those guys that was super typecast. Guys, and so guys. finally, he's getting to that next phase of his career.
4: I was talking
2: about the black and white cartoon. What are you guys talking about? George of the Jungle, <laughs> the Brendan movie. Fraser. I know.
4: We're talking about television that I actually had color <laughs> on the
2: screen.
3: Yeah, Leslie Sorry. Mann was involved with the film. I mean, come on. It's one of the best movies of all time. Exactly. Why the Oscars left them without a trophy is beyond us. But close out the top of the, or the bottom. I don't even know why I try to make this so much more complicated. <laughs> Blast from the Past. It's what we close out our first hour with. And I have this book that I pulled out of a bin in my basement when I was home in Minnesota with a bunch of world records from 20 years ago because I bought this book at a book fair back in the day.
2: 50 cents? How yeah, much?
3: it would be more than that. It was probably like $15. Actually, that was my first run-in with uh, the non-law. I tried to write a fake check to buy some books because I think my parents had purchased like basically a responsibility kit for me. Lens, let's have you learn how to balance a checkbook, how to like count money, how to you know be a Play adult. And I thought that check was definitely going to be cool at the book fair. And so I got in trouble for it. I think it was a little bit heavy handed considering we were just saying, well, we, we might have to report it to the police. This is this is this is not real money. I'm like, dude, I'm I, to quote uh, Jonah Hill in uh, an SNL skit. I'm seven, dude. I, that's all I got. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it's actually a pretty significant significant day in sports history as well. I was looking on the onthisday.com, which is, you know, your bargain bin website that just has a bunch of random things. Today, apparently, the 5th of January, the New York Yankees purchased Babe Ruth from the Red Sox for 125 k Pretty big day in his sports history, I'd say.
2: I'd say so too. So, are you going to read us something? I am. Out of the book? I
3: am. I was just going to kind of mix things in because oh, we have a little gotcha. bit more time. So wait, to close wait, wait up it, the it, hour. Is
2: that bookmarked or do it's you? It's not. Like, I'm just
3: opening it randomly. randomly go I to mean, it. it's okay. definitely gone through some water damage. We've had flooding issues because yeah. uh, the watershed got moved around in Blaine, Minnesota. Nobody told us. It's fine. It's not like we have to foot the bill. And by we, I mean my parents and. So the book has seen better days, but it definitely is filled with knowledge. And I actually just opened up to Babe Ruth. I, you, you can't even make That's it up. Bizarre. Highest lifetime slugging <laughs> uh, average. The legendary George Herman Babe Ruth has the highest lifetime slugging average with an amazing point six nine zero. dasco, oh, isn't that nice? He uh, holds the lifetime records for home run percentages at eight point five and walks total, which is two thousand and fifty six. Again, this is records based off of two thousand and one. Things any of his, have changed since
2: then. Any of his drinking records uh, in there? The
3: drinking is not mentioned in this children's book of world records oh, by Scholastic uh, next to the Barbie doll here that is clearly covering well, the grow, millennium and Michael Jordan and a cheetah. The drinking problems. If you, Wait, grow, if you grow up in Las Vegas, de- if they
2: have Hold the Las on. Vegas edition, if you ask Rich Passaccia, it's in that book.
3: Before S, but before and but not by much, right? Nope, no alcoholism references in here, thankfully. I'm sure no one in here suffered from it. I think you have fake news over there. Babe Ruth was fine. No hot dogs either. Him and Betty White hated. Hey,
4: them. Lindsay, relax with the hot dog. I, I, dude, I just
3: Adrian, you don't don't even come at me with this hot dog. Well, energy. No, the, you have no idea that my affinity for the for the Frankfurt, dude. Listen, you have no I idea. I love Glizzy's too. You but have the no one idea.
4: I want to say about Babe Ruth before this segment ends. Shout out to him, shout out to Cece Sabathia for us, bigger people.
3: Yeah, right, they're
4: on the Mount right, Rushmore because right. for baseball, yeah. wait, wait, Tony, hold on, wait a second, let me get this off. For baseball, it can show us that you could be, uh, you know, pleasantly plump but mm-hmm. still athletic. Shout out to it's what's on the li- hips, baby. Yeah, shout out to Cece Sabathia. Uh, what's the picture from Boston? Wells, David Wells, something
3: like that.
2: David yeah.
4: Wells.
3: Yeah,
2: and Babe so, Ruth, how are all these larger folks going to fit on Mount Rushmore? Just a bigger question. mountain. All right, Tony. I, th- I thought we were friends. I, I don't thought know what's happening. Ma- to this say
4: Mount, The least we Mount could do is Rushmore's. ask
3: someone if that was their mountain first before we start carving faces into it, but maybe that's a little bit too much to ask. I think we just don't commemorate any human being because for the most part, we all suck. That's why. I'm like, we name the, the airports after people. Why? Let's just name it after something random. That's way more fun, and, and we have to probably waste less tax dollars on making all those changes. On this day, uh, January 5th in 1983... Wayne Gretzky scored his hundredth point of the season. He achieved his hundredth point in only the forty-second game. Talking about a different era. That was in the year nineteen eighty-three. Uh, that was nine years before I was born, and uh, about six years before we started raising the puck up higher than the hips. Am I right, Dasko? Do you see any? Do you see Wayne score any goals in a Rangers uniform?
2: Uh, just on TV. Just
3: on TV. You never got to see him in person.
2: No, I did not. Unfortunately. I walked by
3: him in a hallway earlier this year at at T-Mobile Arena. I was pretty sick. Did you get chills? No, he's just a dude. Um, I don't talk to him, but no, it's pr- it's just a dudes. pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the one time I made eye contact with Marty Brodwer, I literally was like up against the wall. I couldn't. I, I my legs stopped working for a second. But again, I don't say anything. But Wayne, I was just kind of like, eh. I'm getting better at it to just not be so. <gasps> I can't believe it because he's obviously a big deal but at the end of the day we're colleagues technically we're contemporaries the very least you mean
2: like you got those vibes that i c- could kind of get with dua lipa maybe D-
3: maybe uh, direct comparable obviously direct comparable i love Dua Lipa. i, I want to go to that that uh show it's like the week after my birthday i gotta go i gotta go i named my summer after it after all um 1931, you, Lucille Thomas became the first me. woman to buy a professional baseball team, Dasco Happened in the year 1931. She bought the Topeka franchise of the Western League. So unfortunately, Paul's no longer with us, but he is not a fan of the fact that Minnie Serena Williams, her daughter, owns a team. I don't know if it's because it's a little girl or because she was just a kid. We'll have to clarify. But either way, congrats to Lucille Thomas and everyone else on another hour of the playmakers on the other side of the plate. We'll be back.